Hello, listener. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? Well, Jay and Mike like scary movies, too. You should go and subscribe to their podcast. We watched a movie. Because if you don't, I'll gut you like a... Well, I think you get the idea. Enjoy yourselves while you still can. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch a Movie. I am Mike, and this is a review of ISS, and we'll have spoilers with plenty of warning at the end, so don't you worry about it. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You know what? I'm finding out most people only watch these reviews after they've seen the movie anyway because they're so used to people surprise spoiling them. I'm not going to do that to you here. Not, not around these parts. Not in this space station. It's what I like to call my treehouse in the backyard. I drew a rocket ship around it and I just sit in it and do evil incantations. That's none of your goddamn business, all right? So it's January and you know, you never know what to expect in January, especially when you see a trailer like you saw for ISS. When this trailer came out, I was like, A, that's a badass idea. B, it looks amazing. And C, oh, it's releasing in January. Something's wrong with it, it's broken. That's not always the case. Sometimes we get some pretty rad January movies. This is like a, you get why they put it in January, but that doesn't make it all bad. It's not all bad, Stephen. So you got the International Space Station hovering above the Earth, and you've got a couple people from Russia there, you got a couple people from America there, and they get along amazing, and they don't talk politics, and they all have, it seems like, pretty smart emotional IQ, and they get along together, and it's just kind of like a neat little microcosm of, hey, we could all be this way if we just, you know, put our shit aside and just lived in a space station and floated around all fucking day. It's like you're going to be nice to someone if you have to live three feet from them is really the, the point of it all. <laughs> I mean, if you're on the Internet, you can be as mean as you want to somebody. But if you're going to be stuck in literal space four foot from someone, you're probably not going to be such a dick about it. But it was nice to see us all get along. And that's a, that's a neat idea in the movie. But they look down upon the Earth and they see all these explosions happening and there's a war going on beneath the earth. They each get coordinates, one from America, one from Russia. That's like, Hey, there's a war. We're going to need you to kill everyone. Um, and seize control of the ISS because it's now become a, a foothold. And also, uh, can you pick up some milk on the way home? Tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. Man, I'd like to put my face in there. Right in there. Tartar sauce. And honestly, for a, a lower budget for this kind of movie, I want to say I heard it was $20 million. Uh, still five more million than Godzilla minus one, which is fucking awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's a low budget for a movie like this. So with that budget that they had, I thought they did a fantastic job. Earth looked really cool. The explosions going on on Earth from orbit looked awesome. All the stuff on the ISS looked cool. Could you tell it's all computer animated? Yeah, I mean, when they flip outside the ship or whatever, but it doesn't look bad by any means. And that's why even though this movie is a movie that is fully like just so disappointing for what it could have been, I still wouldn't not recommend going to see it in a movie theater. I think it's like sending your kid to culinary school thinking they're going to be a great chef and they came out and they're like, here's a grilled cheese sandwich, dad. And you're like, I mean, I love a grilled cheese sandwich, but what? When everything goes haywire, everybody who's these genius astronauts and, and, and working on these crazy smart ideas is acting like rednecks at a golden crowd fighting over the last buttered roll. No one's decisions make much sense. 
and it just gets confusing. And the movie doesn't want to make the obvious Russian versus Americans thing. You know, they're not trying to do the Red Dawn thing. So they try to really surprise you and be like, actually, this person's a good guy and this person's a bad guy. And these two are going to team up. And it's like it's like you're watching Survivor for a minute, but you really don't care. The characters weren't very interesting and the cast was fine. The cast was good. Chris Messina is somebody I like a lot. And he was probably the most interesting character of the group of them. The main girl in the movie, Ariana DeBose, is literally personalityless. Personalityless. You liked the homeboy with Nike? She's fine. The actress is great. She did a great job in the movie, but just the character has nothing to her. She's her literal personality is like, hi, I don't have a personality. I'm there's nothing to me. I just don't like people. So it's going to be really interesting to see what I do in a situation where I trust and like no one. And also I've been here for three days, so I don't actually have emotional attachment to any of you fucking people, which I think is supposed to be interesting, but it actually makes it less interesting. And then there's Pilu Asbeck, who is just, he just looks like Russian Joshua Jackson, who's just, his job is to stand around the entire time and make like Arnold Schwarzenegger villain faces at people. But he's actually not that bad of a guy. We've surprised you again. It's just, they, they try to do these twists and turns with the characters, but just none of the characters are really that interesting. None of the twists are really that interesting. And it just kind of, it's a cool premise that literally falls on its face. They, they have a great idea, that great bubble here, and they're just not smart enough to do anything with it. And that continues through the very end of the movie, which we'll talk about at the end of this video it even ends with a really cool thought and idea but the movie is not smart enough to answer its own ideas so you're kind of left with nah, just a half decent forgettable thriller john gallagher jr's in the movie he's yet another cardboard cutout character he he's literally the version of white people everybody makes fun of when they make fun of white people seriously he looks like every neighbor you ever had but there's a 10 percent chance there's a dead hooker in his trunk and really what it ends up in is the movie's just really really basic it's not terrible it's not great it's just super super basic and it's kind of afraid to piss anybody off it's kind of afraid to go there with anything it's, it's just really basic and i mean like real basic like this bitch is at target with a starbucks in its hand in Ugg boots shopping for live, laugh, love signs. Uh, everything interesting was happening outside the space station. So that was a problem, but it was not hateable. It wasn't terrible. It was interesting enough and just a really, really cool premise that gives you some thoughts to think about and play with. Even if the movie again, wasn't smart enough to figure it out for itself. I'll give ISS, ISS uh, I'll give ISS a 6.5 out of 10. If you're bored and it's snowing outside, you should go check it out. Uh, the same situation for me. I wanted to go see Founders Day as well this weekend, but we are snowed in and it's not playing anywhere close to us. It's like 45 minutes away for some dumb reason. But uh, hopefully we'll see Founders Day and have a review for that up soon. As far as spoilers go, let's talk about that for a second. Because So they all go up there. They're in the space station. It, basically, the trailer gets you halfway through the movie with everything to expect. But when everything goes to shit and everything falls apart like that awesome dog's eye view song says they they get the dude they get christmas Eve to go outside of the spaceship and that was kind of a tense scene i mean it wasn't like gravity or anything like that but they did a good job having him like he's supposed to fix the signal and he's like climbing and everybody in in their mother knows that the the russians were lying about that to get him out there so they could knock him off with their little crane or whatever uh everybody knows it's a lie so when he gets to the signal it's supposed to be this grandiose moment where it's like oh my god the signal's working fine and they're like yeah i know chris fuck 
But yeah, they knock him off, and then you see <laughs> me and my daughter both laugh because you just see him flying by the window, and it's just kind of funny. It's like, Wendy, I can fly. He goes scooting by the window, and you you know he's still alive because you didn't see him die. And then later when they pan out, and he's just like hanging on the fucking grate, and it's like something nice to hold on to. Yes, but he's holding on to the fucking thing for dear life. You knew he was going to be alive. And that, to me, was going to be the most interesting thing about it because John Gallagher Jr.'s character is so obvious. It's like, oh, I've got my little girls. I'm such a sweet guy. I comb my hair over this way. You just knew he was going to be the fucking cunt of the group. You knew it. And P. Lou Asbeck is sitting over there making angry faces the entire time while the camera slowly shows his angry face. You're like, that guy's not going to end up being a dick. And he doesn't. He ends up being one of the good guys and one of the ones to survive the entire thing. And the way they explain that whole thing is kind of confusing anyway because I swear to God for a minute, there was like only one person can do the escape pod and and then later on it's like oh actually you could make room for all of us and then later on two people end up on the escape pod you're like what the fuck just I'm confused about exactly what the situation is here and they foreshadowed so many different things in the movie the guys like when you hear that fan stop you're in deep shit and then of course later in the movie it's like and she's like I'm in deep shit. It was just so obvious and, and again, safe. The entire the entire thing was. And the characters who were supposed to be so smart go crazy. Like the, the, the Russian lady, she just absolutely loses her shit and goes banana sandwich. And these two weren't like in a deep relationship. Like her and, and Chris, the guy that got knocked off the spaceship, they, they were fucking around a little bit. But she acts like someone just, you know, killed her entire family. And she's freaking out. And she just goes ape shit. She's like, I'm going to create a diversion. She goes and just does this dumb thing. And there's all this bad dialogue between. He's like, remember, we stick together. And then, of course, John Gallagher Jr. with the, with the side comb over turns into a giant freak asshole and busts the back of her head in. It was kind of gross the way he explains it. He's like, no, she's dead. I felt when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I felt her skull cave in. You're like, oh, that is gross. And it is weird because like blood up there like kind of flies into the air, which is sort of weird. But then they go full sunshine, event horizon. When Christmas Cena gets back into the ship, he's freaked out because she's dead. He automatically assumes it's the main Russian bad guy who looks like Carl Urban. And that's the guy who's like, okay, this is the, the caricature Russian bad guy. Because he goes full on, I have to kill everyone. If no one else is going to do it, I'll do it. So he's the one that set up Chris Messina to get killed. And then Messina locks him up in a room together. And then they have this fight together. And it's so uncomfortable. The music thinks that you're watching fucking... Disney on ice or some shit like the the music is so over the top and dramatic and when these two go to fight each other they're fucking floating in midair like at each other and like it's like watching someone fight underwater it just looks dumb as shit like it just does not look interesting at all they're trying to float around the ship and fight it looks like a rocket man or some shit and then when they kill Chris Messina the second he's still alive you're like oh good I like that guy he's interesting oh he's fucking dead again and then he kills the other guy at the same time those deaths did look gnarly in slow motion in space when they just put it in 
when they do that, it just looks sort of gross. So that was kind of gnarly a little bit. Uh, but that scene was super corny, as was the scene when the Russian guys decides to go full Michael Myers on everybody, which he just knew was coming. That's what's going to happen. He picks up the, the sharp thing and he just he, he fucking floats towards the camera. And they so badly want to be like Event Horizon, but it's not. Like me and my daughter both laughed at how corny he looked when he was like mm, towards down the hallway. So that shit just didn't work either. Um, but again, like, I, it sounds like I'm just doing nothing but shitting on the movie. It's such, it, like, it works at the most basic level. Like, it's like, oh, okay, it's a popcorn flick. It's, it's all the things that, like, it's just, it's just basic. Again, it's just a basic popcorn flick. You can turn off your brain, watch it for a little bit. But that's really not the idea with the script, I feel like. This was a script that was on the blacklist. Uh, in Hollywood, which is a script that, of the most interesting unproduced scripts. And I see why. It's a great idea. And there was just so many places they could have gone with it. And they were just like, let's do... Let's do some, like, ABC television shit with this. Who's in? Let's fucking go. I don't want to piss anybody off today. Uh, that's kind of what it felt like. They finally get to the end of all this stuff. And it turns out, there's an inter another interesting idea. One of the scientists on there, she's working on mice the entire time. And you get to watch like mice like float around and eat each other at one point. It's fucking weird. But he's working on this radioactive cure thingy-majiggy. I'm not good with scientific terms. That's why I do YouTube. But he's working on this cure thing. And uh, I don't know if it's cure, but it's something to do with, you know, uh, uh, a, let's just call it a balm for uh, radioactive shit. And like since the world and by the way, the earth, like you think it's just a couple pockets of explosions. This thing's filling up with fucking lava like the end of T2. I mean, the, like half the earth is covered in fire. It's dope as shit looking. It's fucking freaky. And when the guy's out there trying to calm down, it is tense because he's trying to like scoot around the ship or whatever. But like behind him, the entire earth's on fire. And that's just such a dope scene. And it also has some really great questions like, OK, at the end of it, these two are the ones that get in the pod. Right. And she takes this thing. And that, by the way, that's what makes it more interesting is because the reason each side wants the other side to to take control of the ISS is because they know that that's on board and whoever has that will be in control of who gets it first on Earth when everything's gone to fucking schmigadoon over uh, the nuclear stuff. So that part's fascinating. That's interesting. That was a cool little wrinkle. They didn't really like season it up at, at all. You know, they didn't fucking season that thing up at all. They were just like, oh, by the way, we got the fucking, you know, it's just matter of factness. But anyway, they decide to go down together. The the one girl who wasn't going fucking ape shit the entire time, Ariana DeBose, and the guy who you thought was the bad guy, who's just a nice dude with kind of a I'll kick your fucking ass face in, uh, in Pilu Aspect's character. They're the two that survive. They get in the escape pod or whatever. And as they like go, you hear the you hear the the stuff rattling around. It's like an American's in there. If you're Americans in there, we're, we're here to help you. And it's like whatever military is going on outside of it. And then they just kind of look at each other and like the movie fucking ends. So you wonder what, what would happen? What happens? They, they got in that thing. They landed back on earth with the, with the, the good shit together. There's one Russian, there's one America American, and they both survived it together. What are we going to do now? What's going to become of Earth? What's going on on Earth? Why was there a fight? How are they going to treat each of them when they arrive? And the movie's like, <laughs> just runs out of the room. <laughs> That's literally what it does. It just runs out of the fucking classroom because it can't. It's like, I'm never coming back to school, never. And it throws the chalk at the teacher and runs out of the room. It's like, I can't answer any of my own questions. It's fascinating. I get what they were doing with the whole mic drop. And if they wanted to do a sequel, it would have a, like a Planet of the Apes level vibe to it like okay we saw it in space now let's see the ramifications of it on earth and you know how like planet of the apes does that that sort of thing that's a cool thought to see like how it's taken place there 
uh, I would watch the sequel to this for sure, but I would like to see someone a little bit more seasoned uh, really go in there and screenplay it up a little bit. Um, I don't think anybody, neither the director nor the writer, has worked on a lot of stuff, and I think it kind of shows in this. So better than your typical January movie? I enjoyed it for what it was, but as an idea, yeah, God, God, it could have been so much better. So that's my review of ISS. I know like eight people will watch this because I don't think it's doing very well in theaters right now, unfortunately. Uh, but I would go see it in theaters if, if you just if you're in the mood to go see a movie. I wouldn't go out of my way. But uh, I, you know, if you're in the mood, you could definitely do worse. So uh, yeah, and hopefully I will have a review of Founder's Day up soon. I love your fucking faces. Hope you guys have an amazing day. We'll talk next. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike, and this is my review of The Beekeeper, directed by David Ayer, who wrote Training Day, who directed a movie called Bright, he directed Fury, he directed Sabotage, The Suicide Squad, squad cut, the first one, you know, the one with the, what are we, some kind of Suicide Squad, that one, yeah, uh, to which I bet his cut of it's way better. I believe him when he says that. But yeah, it's directed by David Ayer, starring Jason Statham in a throwback to old, like, 90s type of action movies mixed with the direct-to-digital type of action movies we get today mixed with Jason Statham, who's the beekeeper. And <laughs> I gotta say, I've seen everybody like loving this movie, and I'm shocked. I really am shocked. I love 90s action movies, 80s action movies. If you guys know this channel at all, you know that we both do. Huge fans of them. It's right up there with horror as my favorite genre of all time. And I, I just, my mind is blown because it's so weird to watch this happen. The plot is absolute but crack toast insane, right? This guy, so when you can't do the FBI or the CIA or a, a spy or like whatever, it's like, we just made up the beekeepers who if people are doing wrong, they'll send a beekeeper after you, which is just like the next Navy SEAL up the ladder thing that they just made up or whatever. And apparently if they unleash a beekeeper on you or if a beekeeper comes after you, for some reason they actually keep fucking bees in real life, but if they come after you, they can't be pulled back. At one point they're like, we'll just call him off. He's like, you can't call off a beekeeper once it's been beekeeped. <laughs> that's not the exact verbiage, but that's how stupid it is. Um, and who cares? Like, honestly, I get uh, who cares about the plot or whatever. It's just it's it's a, it's a vehicle for Jason Statham to go and beat a bunch of assholes asses. And on that respect, they did a great job with those scenes. Jason Statham. I've always appreciated what he does. You always wonder, like, where are the 90s and 80s action movies? What happened to that genre? Why are we not making these movies anymore? And I think the problem is, is that a lack of people that actually could fill the role of a Jean-Claude or an Arnold or a Steven Seagal or whatever, although he's, you know, a fat asshole now, but back then. And Jason Statham has the ability to. I just never felt like he had that maybe charisma or whatever it is. He always just kind of seems the same. And I appreciate him for what he's done and the physical things he can do. But yeah, uh, so it's a Jason Statham action movie. He's one of the only ones still doing it, and that's why I do appreciate him. But I'm shocked at the level of just like praise I'm seeing for this movie because it's like everybody's like, oh, well, it's an action movie. Like, what can you expect? It's got good action scenes in it. And I'm like, man, you guys are forgetting. Like, why are we just automatically assuming that an action movie can't also be a great film? Like, Lionheart is a great film. Bloodsport. It's got a million problems. It was made on the cheap, sure, but it's a great emotional film with like anchors that pull you in. Kickboxer, the same way. These moments, these movies have their silly, cheesy, 80s, funny action movie moments where you can just like kick back and have a laugh. They've also got the action, but the difference is that they actually have these emotional storylines. These characters have arcs in them. These movies aren't just like video trash. Like some of them can be 
really, really good films. Look at, I mean, fucking Predator, T2, Speed, Point Break. There's tons of these films that, yes, they had cheesy moments. They had amazing action sequences. They had ass kicking. They had men, 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 manly men, men, men. But they also were good films. And The Beekeeper is not a good film. When Jason Statham is, is dropping a one-liner and beating someone's ass, entertaining as fuck, there's a really creative kill involving a rope and a truck that I thought was awesome. And I appreciate the violence of the beekeeper is really good too, because when he goes to kill someone, he will, if they are a bad person, he will kill them in a bad way. There's a lot of maiming and finger cutting and gnarly stuff going on. There is a couple sequences when he actually goes one-on-one -on -one up against someone who can actually fight and isn't just like a dude in a suit getting his ass kicked, which you appreciate. There's a really good fight scene towards the end of the movie and the action scenes are done well. So you're not going to be disappointed with that part of it. They did an awesome job with that. And I appreciate David Ayer's direction there. And I appreciate Jason Statham and all the stunt work and all the choreography that went into that. That shit ruled. That shit was like an 8.5 out of 10 for me as far as the action scale stuff goes. I like the kind of movies David Ayer likes, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, I like the movies that he makes. But I just feel like he has really, in my opinion, other people may not feel this way. But for me, I think he's really, really tacky uh, in, in his taste for things. I thought Suicide Squad was tacky as shit. For instance, in this movie, you've got all this stuff going on, and then all of a sudden, someone will come out of the woodwork dressed like a fucking Power Ranger or like those Australian rapper guys from uh, that, uh, what's that, what's the name of that? Antwerp, Die Antwerp or whatever. Like these really corny, stereotype, strange, like VR trooper, JV squad X-Men villains will pop out of nowhere of this realistic set movie at a gas station to fight him. And Statham's all like, you must be my replacement, eh? And then they just fight. And it's just like, that was really corny. And then this dude pops up at the end, the one that he has a really good fight scene with, and the guy's just insufferably stupid acting and, and weird looking. It looks like, it's honest like a Takiwatiti character or some shit like that. Like someone that he created that's just like silly for no reason that just takes you out of the movie. Very, Neil Blomkamp will do this with his films too. And obviously the biggest example of this is the Joker. You're going to take the Joker and he's going to be all like, you want beef? You got beef? And he's going to have damage tattooed across like in your face, obvious shit. And the main bad guy running things behind the scenes, who's kind of like the Senator Trent, like... I'll take you to the bank, the blood bank kind of action movie character. He's this little piddly shit or the son and John Wick, if you want to go more modern with it. But he's this little piddly character who's running things behind the scenes. He's not he's not a formidable physical opponent, but he's just pulling the strings. But even that just plays so silly to me, like Josh Hutcherson trying to take him seriously as just like this punk kid who ends up. <laughs> way more involved in way higher up things than he ever actually would be in real life. It makes no sense. Who's running all of these centers where people are stealing people's money and it all ties back to the white house and all this crazy, just weird cockamamie stuff that makes no sense. Just so much shit that you have to suspend so much belief to believe this plot at all that you actually walk out of the theater wearing suspenders that you didn't go in with. That was a terrible joke. And I moved to remove myself. The thing is it didn't need to be. We didn't need to take this all the way to the fucking White House, all right? It was a very contained, simple story, and it could have been written in a way that could have been contained, and you didn't have to do all this hokey shit with it. But you look at who wrote the movie, and it was written by Kurt Wimmer, who has done some cool shit before. He did Law Abiding Citizen, which I maintain that movie kicks ass, but he also did the Point Break remake, the Total Recall remake, Salt, The Expendables 4 he's got a type. Oh, he did the recruit too. The recruit kicks ass. I love the recruit. So I, I'm a fan of some of his work for sure, but this is definitely on the, the other side 
of the mountaintop from his work, in my opinion. I just thought the story was absolutely insanely stupid. And I get the whole, hey, turn off your brain and watch an action movie, man. It's meant to be fun, ass-kicking, like Violent Night. Same problem I had with that. That movie should have been better. Everybody just goes, oh, it's an action movie. We never get those anymore. I'll take any slop you give me. And I'm happy the movie's out there. But I feel like, I don't understand why everybody's like, oh, it's an action movie. It's supposed to suck. No! It should still be fucking good. They can still make great action films with good characters and people that you care about and have great action sequences. I mean, come the fuck on. Hard Target was as cheesy as they come, but I gave a fuck. I just feel like we're doing a disservice to the action genre by being like, hey, there's some cool fight scenes in it. And like the whole plot they tried to build around it sucks ass, but who cares? Because action movies are supposed to suck. They're not supposed to suck. You can make great ones. Why aren't we trying to make great ones? I don't understand that at all. And motherfucking Jeremy Irons is in this movie and he plays Josh Hutchinson's father figure type character who's really connected guy all the way high up who somehow runs all these crazy intelligence agencies but has no idea about what this kid that he's supposed to be watching is doing, even though he's running like high level shit. It's just, it makes absolutely no sense that these characters weren't smart enough to figure half of this shit out. But anyways, Jeremy Irons is in this movie and he's got a hefty role in it too. Like he's in this a lot, got a lot of dialogue scenes and he, he, he does it. Like he's not just there slapping out lines. He's doing that, that do you want to start a war type shit. Like Jeremy Irons is in there doing his shit and i love it one of the best bad guys ever in die hard with a vengeance uh but you know this one he's a he's a white collar type type of dude like you know don't break my wrist because i'm a sissy type of character i mean no one wants their wrist broken you know what i'm saying and then jason statham's like but i have to because i'm the beekeeper there's so many stupid fucking bee puns in this movie in the movie i can't I'm, I'm not i'm unsure about whether it was trying to take itself seriously or trying to be a b movie or what but so many times in this movie they're like you don't understand how badass he is someone's like oh god not a beekeeper and then Statham's like, because I'm the beekeeper. And they're like, oh, not a beekeeper. You don't get rid of a beekeeper. A beekeeper gets rid of you. And like just constantly fucking, not a beekeeper. And I was like, oh, I'm the beekeeper. And I'm like, God damn it, we fucking get it. He's the fucking beekeeper. Stop it already. Shit. It's always fun to see an asshole get their fucking face kicked in. And you get a lot of that in this movie. You get some squiggly little fucks that you really hate. And you get to watch Jason Statham beat the shit out of them. And get to watch them get what they deserve. That was the heart of the film, in my opinion. And the opening, the first 20 minutes, is taken seriously. And it's just like kind of scaled back. And it's really, really good. And that's the kind of action movie I feel like we should have expected the whole way. It kept in the emotional stuff in there, man. Made, it, made you give a fuck when he went after the bad guy instead of just being like, hey, that looked cool. Oh, they're talking again. So anyway, what I was telling you was I walk in there and my brother's making him out with my own brother. The fist to fist action stuff was there. The story was sort of there for a second. You had the elements to make this an actual good movie, not just a laughing, hey, it's an action movie, but it's not that bad sort of deal. So and that, the beekeeper was disappointing to me. I will give the movie a six out of 10. Uh, and that's, I'm being pretty generous with the six out of 10. It was pretty bad. In a lot of plot. I love your old fucking faces. Let me know how you felt about this movie down below. We will see you soon. And, uh, God damn it. Can we get some more action movies like this? But that, you know, do good stuff. Here comes that white faced fucker. An asshole like no other. He's a big old piece of shit. Wants to stab your sister's tits. Cause he's a white faced fucker. Loomis can't recover. Dr. Challenge drunk again. Sleeping with your sister. Do you want to know about the darkness? I said, God damn. God damn, you fire.
Halloween never ends. Suck my fucking dick, and I don't really care what Blumhouse fucking says. Put him in a box, but suck a fucking cock. You can say he's dead, but we all know he's not. Yeah. So let's go trick or treating. Let's go fucking drinking. Let's all go in pumpkin head on VA.